You're listening to the Mill Sunday School Podcast. John chapter 14. This is where uh, Jesus says some things about the afterlife, which is going to be pretty cool. We're going to look at this passage, quite a few passages today, because all this month we are studying the afterlife. What happens after death, heaven, hell. We'll talk about resurrection. We'll talk about new earth. We'll talk about purgatory all this month. So it's a pretty fun-filled month talking about different things having to do with the afterlife. But I thought I would, I would start off this month by reading uh, a very, I believe, very encouraging passage about heaven or about the afterlife. And it says this, so if you're, if you're in the Bible, the Gospel of John chapter 14, verse 1 says this, Jesus speaking, he says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. And then he says, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take, take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. So it's this, Jesus is going to prepare a place for us, and he's going to be there, and he's going to take us to where he is. Verse 4 says, you know the way to the place where I am going. And then it says this, um, verse 5 says, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? And then this very famous verse in this chapter, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let's pray this morning. God, as we introduce this topic and, and begin to study your word, study scripture, talk, discuss about the afterlife. God, we want to worship you. We want to thank you for the afterlife. God, may you be glorified in in what is taught here. May your truth be made known in this room as we study your scripture. And it's in your name that we pray, Jesus. And everybody screamed? Amen. 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 Um, we'll see. Uh, first, a couple things. If you're brand new to the Mel Sunday School, we welcome you. Thanks for coming uh, to the Mel Sunday School. There's some cards that look just like this on your table. If you take a few seconds and fill that out, we'd love to have your information, put you on an email list uh, and stuff, and then give it to the people as you leave. They will give you a CD for coming, a little gift. It's a, it's a worship music from the Friday nights, our main college and 20-something service called The Mill on Friday night. If you haven't been to that, you should come to that. It's kind of our, our main thing. We do worship. It's more of a service. This is more Sunday school where we just do the teaching side of that. But uh, So if you're new to Mill Sunday School, welcome. The other announcement is uh, this fall, we're doing something like we do every fall. It's called the Mill Fall Retreat. Yes! And the Mill Fall Retreat this year, we've called it Life. And uh, it's kind of one of those cool word things because it has the word if in life. So it's like what ifs in life. It's genius. I didn't think of it, but, you know, we have a very genius mill office, and someone in the mill office thought of that. So uh, the mill fall retreat, that's the theme, but you can expect a whole weekend filled with community and games and fun and great food and um, worship and learning about life and the what-ifs of life. That's kind of the theme of where we're going. And uh, and if you want to register today, you can. The, the If you look back there, there's the, the, the little banner that says life you can register there you can pick one of these up and you need to register the prices begin to go up for fall retreat so it rewards all of you that are not procrastinators (laughs) 
That's good, yeah. So, so if you're not a procrastinator, that's good. Register early. All it takes is $25. You give us $25, and then that begins the registration process. That locks in your price, so the price won't go up. It's easy. Just do it. And if you're, and if you're considering going, eh, I'm not sure if I'm going to go, ask anybody that's ever been, and they will definitely convince you to go because it's awesome, and it's cool, and it's great, and it's awesome, and it's cool, and it's great. <laughs> All right, let's get started this morning with the afterlife. And I want to begin this uh, series, begin this with, with, I guess, a little story. Um, And this goes back quite a few years ago when I was just about ready to enter into seminary. I was a church leader at this church I was going to as a leader. I was leading a small group. Um, I think looking back at that time, God was really creating in me this heart and desire for ministry, especially for teaching, because I was teaching a Bible study, wanting to go in seminary and learn about the truths of God and be able to teach them. And so back in the day uh, at this church I was going to, we did a church picnic. And at this church picnic, um, I was kind of put in charge of this, uh, like the kids, like, like this kid's area, like they had this jungle gym thing. And so I was like, Joe, you know, hang out here, watch after the kids, make sure that like, you know, kids don't kill themselves when they're playing and whatever. So that's what I had to do. No big deal. So lots of little kids, I'm helping them go up to the slide, helping them not kill themselves. Quite easy, quite fun. And we, and I look up into the sky and there's a hawk, (laughs) like this big bird circling. And just to throw, the hawk did not get one of the kids um but the hawk did do something rather scary and the hawk like swooped down like did his like little wing thing and then swooped down and there was this bird this like little bird this little dove and doves mate for life and they're they're beautiful little birds tiny little precious bird and the hawk swooped down and grabbed this uh dove with his talons of death and all the kids are just like wide-eyed watching this and i'm the only adult there and we're all just like uh and at first i try to like play it off like look at those little birds playing (laughs) so cute they're wrestling um but it was obvious that that was not what was going on, even to the, some of the youngest kids, because the talent and this, like the little dove was like making this like, like, not, like I didn't even know, it was like a squeal. I didn't even know birds could squeal, but this dove was squealing and the, the hawk was ripping feathers and flesh from this bird and, and this bird was like, Sorry, I apologize. Here's a, I didn't. This isn't the picture. This is just a picture of what a, bird, a hawk can do to a bird. As you see up there, just like a pile of feathers, and there's like no bird left. The hawk just like poof, poofball of feathers, and and what? Ha- so these kids. So here I am, the only adult uh, at this little jungle gym at this church picnic. All these little kids just saw this horrific thing take place. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, this bird is now dead. It's obvious that they're not just wrestling and playing together. One just killed the other one with his talons and beak of death. And the kids were just like, one of them's crying. They're just like looking at this thing, uh, you know, this, the, what just happened. And I began as a seminary, you know, going into seminary as a Bible teacher, as a church volunteer, I began to tell these kids, what happens to birds after they die? I just started making it up, and then like one lie led to another, and I'm like, well, in 
in bird heaven, there's these, these beautiful golden cages and that bird that just died, he's in these beautiful golden, and God gets to let him out and, and he fly and the, and, the, and the air in heaven is lighter so it's easier for them to fly and there's these plump, delicious trees that they eat the fruit off of and it's so wonderful and nice and, and that's where this little bird is. And I went on and on at telling these kids all about like the, the theology of the afterlife of birds and I was just making it up. Um, and and it's, there's something about that. Like, have you ever made, have you, maybe as a kid, you were like, yeah, my parents told me all about heaven, and they just started making stuff up, and then like one thing led to another detail. And I really have no idea what the afterlife will be like, because all these people tell me different things. And I just imagine these girls, this was quite a while ago, so these girls are probably teenage girls now, and the, whole, the kids, all of them, um, from the church picnic. And I just imagine them all thinking, I don't know too much about heaven, but I do know that a long time ago, a church leader, Peter told me that there's a bird heaven and there's golden bird cages and and that guy's now a doctor and so he must have known what he was talking about it's like i just made stuff up about heaven and the afterlife so we have some goals this morning if you're writing down goals this month's goals concerning the afterlife there's two of them number one and hopefully most of you will think this is funny but then i'll explain it's not that funny uh this month number one goal this month about the afterlife is we're going to try to not make stuff up that's, that's a goal in here. We're going to try to not make up stuff. And, and going right along with that point, point number two, we're going to stick to what the Bible teaches about the afterlife. We're going to stick to what the Bible teaches. If the Bible is kind of silent on a particular issue, if you're like, well, there would be this or that in heaven. What does this or that mean? And the Bible is kind of silent, doesn't really talk about it, then we're probably not going to talk about it in here because we're going to concentrate on what we knew, do know and concentrate on allowing ourselves to be conformed to the teachings of Scripture and not make stuff up. Sound fair enough? So let's not make stuff up when it comes to heaven and hell and the afterlife. Let's look at the Bible. Sound good? Okay, good. So I want you to do a little discussion at your groups. Uh, if you're at the tables, just maybe go around very quickly. If you're, if you're in the back, you can turn to someone. It's awesome when you turn. You don't know someone. You get to know them uh, by discussing a weird little question like this. And the weird little question that I want you to answer is, what is the silliest slash and or craziest slash and or weirdest thing. Basically, what's the most out there thing that a Christian has told you about the afterlife? Maybe you were at a church picnic 10 years ago and the church leader told you that in heaven there's these golden cages and birds live in them and God takes them out and they eat plump, juicy fruit trees and there's, there's, there's air up there is lighter so they fly around easier. Maybe that's the craziest thing you've ever heard. Maybe you've heard even crazier things from a Christian. From a Christian perspective, what's the weirdest thing you've ever heard about the afterlife? Heaven, hell, purgatory, whatever. Uh, what's the weirdest thing? Sound like a fair question? Hopefully it's a fun question. Uh, just jump right in. Only I'm going to just give you a minute or two. So discuss it. Ready? Dis- get set, go. All right, let's uh, let's pull back together as a big Sunday school group, and uh, there's a lot. Of, did, any, did anybody's table think of some weird things they've heard from Christians about the afterlife? 
like what's going to be in heaven or what you're going to be doing in heaven or what hell will be like or what they'll be doing in hell or things like that. There's lots of misconceptions out there, so many, because it seems like it's kind of the thing that lends itself to imagination. And so you have this thought, like, um, like the, the, here's a logical thought that says if A equals B and B equals C, then C must equal A. And so if... God is good, and if he wants to give us good things, and if heaven is good, and donuts are good, therefore, there must be donuts in heaven. Right? And so you, we've all seen, that, like, the, here's the picture of the Simpsons heaven, and Homer is, like, eating a giant donut. And he's like, oh, that must be what heaven is like, because if, if heaven is good, and God gives us good things, and donuts are good, then there must be donuts in heaven, Right? Doesn't that logic seem to... <laughs> but that would fall... If we, if we taught that this month in the Mill Sunday School, I just started teaching about how there's donuts in heaven and how great it is that we're, there's donuts in heaven. Then I would be making stuff up. Because does the Bible say specifically that there's donuts in heaven? I don't think so. I mean, I've read it a couple of times. I haven't found any passages about donuts in heaven. And it seems like, and sometimes this is obviously a silly example, but I think sometimes we could, it could lend itself to trying to comfort somebody. And, uh, you know, like I, I was at a funeral years ago where the, the person that died loved horses. They loved riding horses and taking care of horses. And so someone was speaking to the family that had just lost their loved one that loved horses. And they were saying, oh, when, when so-and-so is in heaven, uh, I, I bet they're riding horses, and I bet they're the stable master in God's stable of horses. And they, oh, like, oh, what a nice thought, what a comforting thought, and I'm not going to say that that's not what they're doing. I'm just going to say, as the Mill Sunday School, we're not going to make stuff up when it comes to the afterlife, and if we don't know, then, then, then I'm gonna, it's, it's perfectly okay to say, you know, I don't know if there's horses that, that God needs taking care of in heaven, and that this person is going to be the stable master in heaven cleaning up the, the horse's poop. I don't know that. It's, it's possible, sure, but anything is possible. And then so another question that instant, like the, when I just talked about the bird example, the bird dies, where's the bird go? Does the bird go to heaven? Uh, maybe lots of you have had pets and, and dogs and things like that. And so here's a picture of dog heaven. Can you kind of see that? Just it's so pretty. There's rainbows. Uh, it's not a double rainbow, but a rainbow nonetheless. And there's a dog smiling, a lab smiling up there. And so we can ask ourselves questions like, is it true that all dogs go to heaven? Is it true that cats do not go to heaven? <laughs> and there's different opinions about these things, but they kind of lend that these questions kind of lend themselves to we have to make up things and we have to imagine them because the Bible doesn't, at least according to what I've read, doesn't directly say whether cats do not go to heaven, but all dogs do go to heaven. Those are things that are kind of culturally made up or just passed on or things that we can hope for. And and so we're not going to talk too much about that kind of thing this month of Sunday school. I'm setting us up to like, what does the scripture teach? Um, here's another thing. This is um, a picture from the movie uh, What Dreams May Come. It's a movie with Robin Williams, and he dies and goes to heaven, and heaven is anything that he can imagine. And there's probably quite a few movies in Hollywood that when you go to heaven fit this genre that in heaven there will be 
whatever you can imagine, whether it's uh, purple trees or big mountains like we see here or waterfalls, um, like movies like the movie Contact that came out a long time ago. She goes to heaven, she sees her dad, she imagines her dad. Uh, she, uh, the, the movie like The Lovely Bones, like you, you, you go to heaven, there's beautiful places and anything that you can imagine is in heaven. And, and that's kind of where our, as, as a culture, it, I think is going with this idea, this evolution of thought of what the afterlife will be like. Oh, the afterlife will be like anything that you can imagine. A world where your imagination, anything that you can imagine, becomes concrete. And does the Bible say anything about that? Well, not really. I mean, I'm not saying it's, it won't be like that. I'm just saying we don't know that, that that will be true or not. And so let's let's not let's not really go there. Let's stick to what the Bible says. Furthermore, we can't just blame Hollywood. This, this is going back to uh, the medieval days. Maybe some of you recognize that character up there. But this guy in the 1200s wrote a very long poem about himself. First person going to hell, the inferno, uh, purgatory, pur- purgadigi, purga, it's in Latin, purga, purgatoro, and then going to heaven, p- paradiso. And, and so this guy, does anyone know who this is? Dante, yeah, he wrote the Inferno and, and Heaven, Hell, Heaven, uh, Hell, Purgatory, wrote this first-person huge poem describing what hell will be like, the characters in hell, what heaven will be like, who's there, what they will look like, what they will be doing in, in Heaven, Hell, and in Purgatory. And so some of these things, some of the things in our own imagination, I think, come more from writings of culture rather than from the Bible. One more. This is a, a, a poem that was written in the 1600s, a few years, quite a few years after Dante wrote. And this poem is called Paradise Lost. And there is the picture of the, uh, the, the author. Anybody know? John, John Milton, Paradise Lost. Yep. And so he wrote this long poem about um, before the earth was created, Adam and Eve, like what heaven and, and Satan were warring and, and out of heaven and hell come this, you know, humans and, and this this portrayal of what was going on in the heavens and in hell. And I think so often our thoughts of heaven and hell are consumed and shaped more by media, more by stories, more by um, what people have told us and been passed on, this evolution of what heaven and hell will be like. Or, in the Middle Ages, from um, artwork. So here's a picture. This is a very famous painting. It's called... The Last Judgment. It was written by one of the, excuse me, not written. It was painted by one of the Ninja Turtles, Michelangelo. <laughs> Had to say that. Uh, so Michelangelo painted this painting. It's, it's, I believe it's in the 16th, 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 16th chapel. Anyways, uh, <clears throat> and so back in the day, in the Middle Ages, no TV, no Facebook, uh, no PowerPoint presentations. I don't even think they had whiteboards back in the Middle Ages. People came to church, and the holy language of the Middle Ages was Latin. And so you'd sit in this church service. Let's say you're in Italy. You would have spoken a kind of an ancient Italian dialect in the Middle Ages. And you didn't speak Latin, an ancient Latin, or a much more ancient Latin. And so the entire church service would be in Latin. Did you have any idea of what was being said? No, probably not. You just sat there nicely looking around, and looking around you would see paintings like this, beautiful stained glass, portrayals of what the afterlife could look like. And so this particular painting of 
uh, Michelangelo's. It's called The Last Judgment. At the bottom there, I don't know if you could see the details as good as I can on the screen here, but the details at the bottom is the scene of hell, and the scene at top is heaven. And so you're looking at this, and you're like, oh, that's, that's what it's going to look like. And so in your head, you're like, oh, in heaven, everyone will be naked, A, uh, a white person, B, and very muscular, C. <laughs> and so it's like, oh, that's what it will be like. And they're just hanging out, and there's harps, and there's clouds. And so that's what it'll be like. And then hell, down at the bottom, is like skinny people and mad people, and it looks like they're getting punished. And you just have this image, like that's what it's going to be like. And, and some of those things, I'm not knocking any of those things, some of those things may be true, um, but that not necessarily like our thinking of heaven and hell comes, I think, sometimes much more from culture than from the Bible. So this month, we are going to allow Scripture to form our thoughts of the afterlife and potentially have to get rid of some misconceptions, some things that we think um, are very biblical about heaven and hell just because we've been taught them so often, we think about them so often, but maybe they're actually misconceptions. And so I have a list of three that I'm going to give you, misconceptions about the afterlife, three big ones. And these aren't like the misconceptions. These aren't um, someone else's list. This is actually a list that uh, I put together. And we meet as a Sunday school leadership team. We meet before the month and we, we talk about the sermons. And so we talked about this list of some misconceptions. And so these are the, just the big three that I thought of and I, I want to present to us because I think they're so huge and they change the way we think about the afterlife, but they may not necessarily be true. So misconception, the thing that's not true about the afterlife, number one, I put this, that death is a nice thing. That death is a nice thing. And I would say that's a that's kind of a misconception. And here, here's why I say that. Because in our attempt to, to comfort, and when someone passes away and, and we're speaking to family members, there is this attempt to comfort those that have lost someone else. And so we'll say things to comfort them. And it's like, oh, well, death is actually a nice thing. The process of death is, is very nice, and it's a good thing. And isn't it, isn't it so wonderful that so-and-so is now dead and, and gone on because death is such a nice thing? And, you know, let's, you know, let's at, our, at the funeral, let's, let's have a lots of fun. Let's put the fun back in funeral. And, because death is, just, death is just so nice, isn't it? And, and we know that it's not nice because a funeral service, it, people are crying. You don't have to tell someone, oh, isn't it, ha- isn't it so obvious that death is a nice thing? It's like, no, death isn't nice. It's death is a monster. It's not that good of a thing. And so the truth about death is that it isn't such a nice thing. And death, point number one under this category, if we look into the context of Scripture, we find very early on, if we're looking starting to read just on page 1, Genesis 1.1, we read about the creation of the world, we read about the creation of humanity, Adam and Eve specifically, and Adam and Eve are in this pretty awesome, perfect world, a world that God calls good, and then there's the fall, right in, um, right in the very beginnings, chapter 3 of Genesis, Adam and Eve sin, they, they do something that they're told not to do, and because they sinned, because they went against God, now death is introduced. That, uh, it doesn't seem to, it seems to me, I may word it this way, that they weren't created to die and they weren't going to die before they had made a mistake. They sinned and then death enters into the world. Death is a punishment. 
And then there's this, this verse, Romans 6.23, that many of you are probably aware of. It says, the wages of sin is death. And so this idea of death being, oh, it's just a nice thing. Isn't it, how, isn't it lovely that that bird came down and with his talons and beak of death killed that other bird? Isn't that a nice thing? No, that's not a nice thing. That's, that's horrible. And these little kids had to watch that. And it's not that nice of a thing. It, there's, this world is kind of messed up and we have to die. And death has to be a part of that because of sin, because of the fall. And so death isn't a nice thing. There is sadness when, when life is taken. And I'm reminded in Scripture, if, we, if you go to Scripture, go to the New Testament story, you can read it sometime, of Jesus and Lazarus. And Lazarus is the friend of, uh, I believe he's the brother, right, of Mary and Martha, and a friend of Jesus. This family knows Jesus. And, and Mary and Martha, they ask Jesus to come because Lazarus is very sick. And Jesus doesn't get there in time. Lazarus is already dead. And the conversation that ensues is, you know, if you would have got here earlier, Lazarus wouldn't be dead. And, and Jesus does something here he doesn't what he doesn't do is say oh death is just such a nice thing lazarus is you know he's 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 looking forward to the resurrection he's he's actually going to be resurrected this very day jesus the story is us that jesus resurrects lazarus from the grave and he comes forth out of the tomb that very day but jesus does something very interesting and what does he do when he finds out that lazarus is dead he cries. He, he weeps. And that's, so it's okay if, if you experience the death of a loved one, it's okay to grieve, to be sad, to know that that's not the way it's supposed to be, the way that we were created for is to, to not have to die. And so death is not a nice thing. You don't have to comfort yourself with this imagination that, oh, it's, I, I shouldn't grieve because death is just such a nice thing. No, it's not, a, it's not a nice thing. It's a, death is a punishment. There's, there's sadness. And, and the final point here, um, death needs to be defeated. Death is an enemy. It's something that, that wasn't supposed to be. And, and then through sin and through the change of this world being not perfect, death entered the world and death needs to be defeated. The verse in the Bible that I'm reminded of is 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty six. if you want to write that down for later. 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty six says, The last enemy to be destroyed is death. And it goes on to talk about Jesus conquered death. As Jesus died on the cross, God died for us. He conquered death. And so the truth is, death isn't a nice thing. It's a punishment. It's, there's sadness. It needs to be defeated. Um, misconception number two. And hear me on this one. And this one will need a lot of explanation. And, and later this month, we're going to talk about, uh, spend a whole Sunday on heaven, spend a whole Sunday on the hope of heaven, spend a whole Sunday on uh, hell. And so I, I hope to, in some ways, I almost hope to confuse you a little bit so that we can spend the rest of the time changing our misperceptions and misconceptions about the afterlife and conforming them to what Scripture actually says. But I'm going to put this one up and we'll spend a lot of time talking about it. Number two, the afterlife afterlife is either straight to heaven or straight to hell for all eternity. So it's like this idea that the second you die, you either go straight to heaven for all of eternity, if you've accepted Jesus or, or, or 
done the necessary steps for eternal life according to the, the biblical way, or you go straight to hell for all of eternity. That, there's, that the second you die, you're either in one of these two places. Okay, so we get this image that the second you die, you either enter into the door of heaven or enter into the door of hell, and you sit there for all of eternity, and there's, there's nothing else after the afterlife is just that. And that is, that's a misperception that I believe so many of us have. It's, a, it's something that I have to reconform my thinking and say, is that really what the Bible teaches? Because it seems to me, here's, here's a, the, the bigger point, it seems to me, um, the truth is, th- this sentence, there seems to be more happenings after death than just one single eternal placement. There seems to be more things going on or that will go on in the afterlife than just one single moment where you die and you're either sentenced to heaven or 